Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2013. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Waterford, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Jim Kane. A Jim, 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 welcome <laughs> to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely, sir. All right, Let's cool. We're going to have some fun talking about technology today and all sorts of cool things with vehicles. But before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Jim? So one thing would be that I like to play with Legos. I don't know that too okay. many people actually know that. But yeah, the Lego Technics. I'm all about, uh, I'm an engineer. Yeah. So you've got you to get into that technology and put it together and make some cool uh, cool things with it. And Legos allow you to really come up with anything. Oh, it's, you know, I mean, what a masterful genius invention that yeah. was. Yes. Played with those when I was a kid. In fact, I had, uh, I've got a friend up here in the Northwest, Jason Tang. He's an adult, but he loves Legos. He has a whole room <laughs> dedicated to Legos in his house. I mean, the guy's a Lego maniac. And uh, yeah, so, you know, it's it's great for all ages. And I love the new Lego cars they're coming out with. Those are kind of Yeah, neat. the models. Yep, exactly. They're beautiful. Very cool. Yep, so that's, that's my basement walls of and shelves of legos <laughs> i love actually, it so. i love it well, well let's talk about uh the other side of your technological brain uh we'll call that the awesome. creative side and here's the engineering side jim kane is the vice president of engineering at baraha a deep technology company that has reinvented lidar for self-driving vehicles their groundbreaking spectrum scan platform is setting new benchmarks for precision range and reliability at Baraha, Jim's responsibility for ensuring their systems that they meet the stringent requirements that is demanded by the automotive industry. Jim has more than 20 years of engineering experience at Daimler Chrysler, Magna, and several other automotive startups. At Magna, he was the global vice president of engineering for Magna Electronics and was responsible for driving the adoption and advanced driver assistance program and self-driving technologies for the suppliers, automakers. Jim also helped grow two successful automotive startups that sold to tier one suppliers. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about Jim and his world of technology. But first, a word from our sponsor. So give him a little love and we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle's stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint, and an extra layer of soft, Breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover, custom fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, Y-E-A-H-21, at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, Jim, we are back. So we're going to dive a little deeper into the corner, as I like to say, and and talk about this business and what you guys are doing at Baraha. But first, I want to start with the company's name, because Baraha has some interesting meanings that relate to your business. So uh, Baraha, where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, B-A-R-A-J-A. And yeah, Baraja is, um, comes from, so our founder, really quick, is is uh, from Peru. And he migrated to Australia, which is now where the headquarters of the company is. And he brought with him the name. And the name as a noun means a deck of cards. And ultimately, if you hold up a deck of cards and you look at the size of that, that's what we're targeting our LiDAR size to be. So ultimately, we want that sensor to be that small. Wow. And then in parallel, and, and another great twist is that as a verb, it means to shuffle. So, and that's actually how we move the light. We actually shuffle the light so we can quickly go from one frequency to another and scan the, the complete environment. So that's that's where the name comes from. And it's uh, it's very fitting for how we are, are moving forward. So that's the vision kind of. Well, I love it. And that's a pretty cool twist as well. So let's talk about this uh, reinvention of LIDAR for self-driving vehicles, kind of to walk us through, perhaps go back a little bit into where LIDAR came from, what it was originally designed for, and then how you guys are reinventing this so that uh, those of us who maybe want to just take our hands off the wheel and, and get driven uh, can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So LiDAR, it's it's been around for a while now, and I think originally started in some military, like long-range applications, kind of like how radar started, and then it moved into automotive. Similarly, LiDAR started about the same, but again, it was a really expensive technology. And, and in summary, it uses light, and typically in the infrared range, so laser-type light, shines it out, reflects it off the surface, and then brings it back. And by doing so, it can tell you how far away an object is. And with uh, with our specific LiDAR, we can actually measure Doppler signal on top of that, uh, which allows us to, to figure out if that object that you're, you're seeing out there is moving away or toward you. So the idea is to scan the whole environment and then bring back into the vehicle a view 
of that environment, now knowing where every point is in it, how far away it is in the environment, and if it's moving and which way it's moving so that you can then bring that into your processing brain from an autonomous perspective and ultimately drive the vehicle autonomously. You know, yeah, magic voodoo stuff here, uh, <laughs> which which is pretty darn cool. And, you know, when the whole concept of self-driving vehicles came into play, those, those of us who love cars and love driving cars kind of went, why on earth would you want your yeah. car to drive you? And uh, But then I started thinking about this a little deeper and I brought it to home. Um, my mother, you know, she's a, a very mature woman. She's still with us, thank goodness. And But she's at a point in her life where driving can be a challenge, sometimes at night or getting on the freeway. She's down in California and everybody's driving so fast and it kind of, you know, freaks her out a little bit like, man, slow down. I don't remember this. And I thought, you know, when she lives by herself, if she could just summon her vehicle and have it take her to the doctor's or the grocery store or something, it would put her at ease, maybe once she got used to the idea of the car driving her, right. uh, and make things easier for her. And then I started thinking about, okay, could this work on a motorcycle for somebody who's blind or somebody who's blind and wants to be able to be, you know, take care of themselves and not rely on other people? So are there other concepts or ideas around self-driving vehicles of what you guys are developing where this could help in many ways? The other one I think of is how about long-range trucks so nobody has to sit in those trucks for hours and hours and drive. Right. The trucks exactly. can just drive themselves. Yeah, no, there's plenty. I mean, the, the amount of use cases, like, I'm the same way as you. I'm like, I, I don't want to give up driving my car. And then I went out to California and got stuck in some traffic out there oh, for God, a couple yeah. hours. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then, and then not only that, but I like driving manuals, right? So uh, yeah. how, how does that work for getting stuck in traffic? Yeah, it's just fun. terrible, right? So, so, so that's just one basic use case that's really out there now and trying to maintain that. But over-the-road trucking, yes, enabling that. A lot of even shuttle delivery, which is why you see a lot of interest in this technology from the Ubers and the Lyfts and stuff mm -hmm. like that, because they, you know, they're trying to get uh, driver error out of that. Now, granted, there's a lot of work to get the software error out of it eventually, yeah. Yeah. but but that's what we're helping with, right? The better image and the better view we can give to that system, the more correct decisions it can make. And that's ultimately what we're focused on. But those use cases are exactly it. I mean, if a blind person could summon a car, get in, already know where it needs to go, it can take them right there. They get out and they're, they're well, much more free, mobile at that point. Yeah, it, yep. it frees up a lot of people in many ways. And you're right. I used to have a, a terrible commute. Now I just commute down the hallway. So I wear out my slippers right. and not my Michelins. Thank goodness. But, you know, in fact, I always drove manuals and I finally broke down and bought a, a BMW with SMG, which is somewhat you can still paddle shift. But because I was just so tired of sitting for hours in traffic and push clutch in and out, it just yeah. wasn't any fun. And my friends still pick on me for having a non-manual uh, BMW. <laughs> I do have a manual Porsche, so that not, I'm kind of still okay. in the club. Yeah, but but you're right. Um, if you could just get in your vehicle and, and it took you through terrible traffic and you could sit and do other things, that would be pretty cool too. How far away with your crystal ball do you see us from this really working well? Because some vehicles out there now do some of this. You're still sitting there. They still want you to keep your hands on the wheel or your eyes on the road or something like that. But how, how close is this? So, you know, from, from my perspective, and, and this is, again, crystal ball out there, a, a lot of the OEMs today, are, they're, they're moving to what they call level two plus, and they're, they're trying to introduce these features without legally saying that we're, we're fully autonomous. And then you have Tesla on the other side of the, of, the, of the scale, who's like, hey, we've got this great full autonomous driving platform out there, who obviously they've still got some issues to work through. But, you know, in, in reality, I think we're, 
we continue to progress. We move slowly. There's a lot of legislation, I think, involved in some of this and getting it out there. But I, I'm seeing full autonomy starting more in the confined use cases. Mm. So let's let's talk about some of the trucking, like, or even some of the logistics, like warehousing, for example. Being able to move trailers around a warehouse, it's a confined space. Usually there's no people out there. The environment doesn't change a lot, right? And yeah. so that, it's actually kicking off pretty quick. And there's quite a few companies out there who are leveraging our type of LiDAR technology in order to enable that. In addition, mining. So mining is another space Baraha is oh, very involved with. Yeah. Being being out of Australia, they're moving tons of dirt and they're actually using our sensors to, you know, control these huge mining trucks. You know, the ones you stand next to and the tires still oh, yeah. over oh, your yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah, the big Tonka trucks. <laughs> exactly. The massive Tonka trucks. And so that's another application where it's it's live now. Our sensors are actually doing that autonomous movement. And what they'll do is they'll may have a lead truck and then behind that they'll have two or three trucks, and those three trucks will be operating on autonomous. They'll just follow the lead truck and they'll use the tech. For automotive, I think you're looking a little bit past 2030. Mm -hmm. Just into the 2030s is when I think things will finally have worked their way out and and more people will rely on the tech. um, You know, there's there's so many different pieces of this that you've just explained that, oh yeah, that, okay, that would work there. And do they use this type of technology in warehouses where they have automated picking and, you know, for warehouses that are picking products and bringing them to be packed and shipped? So there are some, but those are more like pre-programmed because they know where everything is. Mm. So so some of these sensors, like cameras, obviously you can read things, but the LiDAR systems are really trying to sense that environment and watch out for what changes and let you know what's going on there. A lot of the sensors and warehouses, yes, they do have some of that, but it's a lot of pre-programmed. It knows to go to aisle three, up three shelves, and just pick this stuff off. Sure, exactly. So, so you've obviously been in engineering your whole life. When did you realize yeah. that this type of career path was right for you? And, and back when you set a course for this, did you ever think you'd be working on stuff like this? <laughs> no, I still remember I was working in a, uh, with my dad and some old uh, old shop building pneumatic cylinders. And I walked by this guy's uh, office and I saw this little green board in the window. And I'm like, hey, what is that thing? Looks pretty interesting. And that's what tipped me off to get into electronics. It was a PCB assembly from some robotic equipment they had in the, in the thing and then and moved from that into electrification, which has been a, a big part of my career in launching electric vehicles, both into California and Europe and all over the world has been fun. But yeah, no, you never, you never, uh, you never sometimes know where you're going to go, but uh, there's a lot of people along the way who also guide you down those paths. And that's been uh, instrumental for me, but ultimately getting into this side where where I feel like one, if the electrification, we can make things more efficient, less prone parts to, to, to breaking, and and ultimately, hopefully, better for the environment too. Um, but on top of that, then we bring this autonomy piece that was also interesting for me, and just looking at the number of crashes and accidents that happen per year, and the thousands of people who unfortunately die because of some auto accident, whether it's whatever it's related to these types of systems, obviously the. The passive systems, airbags and stuff, try to try to save you. But if you can completely avoid it altogether, that's what we're shooting for. And and just having automatic emergency braking now is significantly reducing the number of incidents and keeping cars out of you know repair shops too, saving the ultimate owner money. And that's what we're that's what we're really looking at here. That's why I see it. You know, you mentioned earlier people that help drive your inspiration, your career forward. Have there been some mm-hmm. key mentors in your life that have been very influential and helpful to you? Um, there, there's been a lot of great people that I've, I've run across, which is, I think, part of what makes uh, both this job and just 
being out there, even though I said I'm an introvert at the beginning of this. And <laughs> um, it, it has been uh, good to get to know new people. And, and yeah, I mean, there's a, there's quite a few, obviously. But one who kind of stands out was actually one of my old bosses at company called Movimento. We were a startup. That was one of the startups that actually executed or exited to uh, Aptive. And uh, he was like, I think he was even younger than me. He still is, obviously. <laughs> but he and I had two different profiles. Mine was the engineer, go out and do stuff. His was the sales, let's grow the business and, and do things. And we had a bunch of disagreements many, many times. And we actually ultimately did like a personality profile, like how do we like to work? And uh, found out that we were perfect matches for one another. Interesting. Which was an interesting piece. And then, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget just one quick story on that. He... um I was the engineer. He was the sales, always out there. He'd come into my office, hey, here's this thing we need to do. And then he'd throw it on the desk and he'd leave. And I'm like, well, when is it due? What do we have to do? What is it supposed to do? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and he was never concerned with those details. And of course, I was the opposite. Yeah. I needed to know exactly what it was. But uh-huh. we went to Chrysler one time in a, on a, a project and I was supposed to show a demo and it, the demo was going terribly. Like I couldn't get this stuff to work. I had left something back in the office that I needed. And he was over there talking to the to the engineering team and keeping them occupied basically as I was frantically trying to solve this problem. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I ended up like, look, I can't, I can't get this to work. It's just not going to work. We're gonna have to come back another day when I can get this other stuff. And I felt so just disappointed in myself and missed this whole thing. And then he, uh, he's like, okay, well that's great. And he starts talking to them and I didn't even want to look at him, you know, cause I'm like, oh, I failed. And, uh, so we start walking out and he's like, hey, don't worry about it, man. It's fine. Everything's great. He's like, we just sold him like four more systems. I'm like, what do you mean we sold him four more? We don't even, it doesn't even, we haven't even shown it working yet. But yeah. that was, uh, that was this guy, always positive, always keep moving. And uh, it was an interesting learning experience for, for me to, to just watch him work in that regard. Right. And uh, keep this moving. So, yeah. Good. I, I call those kind of guys grenade throwers. <laughs> you know, they walk in your office and throw a grenade and say, have fun. See ya. Bye. And uh, yep. they're off the other. But, you know, businesses need those different personality yeah. types depending Absolutely. on, yeah, what they're doing. So, so if you were going to advise, say, a young person who would love to go into this field of technology and automotive, uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, I think my biggest thing is always stay interested or, or keep learning because it changes so much. And what companies, I mean, being at Magna and at one point had almost 1,200 engineers working for me in that organization, the guys who were moving through and moving up and taking things on were the ones who were always looking to make things better. One, like they saw problems and they tried to fix them, even though it wasn't their job, even though it wasn't something that they needed to do. They saw a process that was broken. And instead of dealing with it, they were like, or instead of just working around it or trying to find something else, they dealt with it, moved it out of the way and then moved on. In addition, the the guys who could go deep on a technology, I think the, the biggest thing, and um, for me, like Einstein, I think once said, right, if you can explain it to a six-year-old, or if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it. And so, <laughs> so those kind of guys who can take these really technical concepts, break them down into something that's simple because they truly understand it, are absolutely valuable to, to organizations and technology and moving forward. Because ultimately... You know, a lot of the decision makers, a lot of times don't have that technical background, but they've got the money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and you're trying to convince them to give you the money. So you need to break it down to a level that, that they can understand and that makes sense to them and that they see the value. It was one more example. We had a, we had a, a presentation to one of the major OEMs, we'll just say at one point, and um, our technical guys were up there and they're like, hey, this camera has 190 degree field of view and 38 frames per second and this kind of network interface. And, and you can... <laughs> 
you could see all the execs just like eyes glaring yeah, over. Nodding back, yeah. <laughs> and then somebody's like, oh, hey, you know that 16-inch screen you're sticking in your new vehicle? Well, we're going to make that thing look crystal clear because we've got such an awesome camera. And they're like, oh, it's yeah. going to look not grainy like my old camera did. I Great. I like it. Now yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that, sometimes that's all it takes. I had a, a very interesting guest on a few weeks ago, founder of Prometheus Fuels, and they're creating fuel out of uh, CO2 in the air. And oh, wow. I'm like, how do you explain that? And he explained yeah. it in a very simplistic way that went, okay, I, I see what you're doing i kind of understand i don't know how you're doing it but you <laughs> you made it make sense to me now other than just it sounded like fakey do talk right. you know if you will right. so yeah it's very important to do for sure we'll take a short break and uh thank our sponsor here um since we're talking about technology today this sponsor is rather new here on cars yeah it's about taking care of the outside of your vehicle we'll give them a little listen and we'll be right back i've teamed up with auto geek because well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. autogeek.net, that's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Want to hear something crazy? Veterans work on billions of dollars of vehicles, planes, and engines while deployed, but they can't touch our car until they've obtained a certification and training requirements for employment back here at home. That's crazy. Dick Force Foundation Military Transition Fund provides scholarships and grants so our veterans can transition to great careers following their service for this great country. Support Tech Force. Support Tech Force a charity of choice here at Cars yeah, and its workforce development efforts for our veterans by donating at techforce.org today. So Jim, let's talk about big obstacles. You work in a field, a career path that no doubt surrounds you with challenges, obstacles, maybe even a failure here or there that you have to overcome. Walk us through one of those times, but uh, tell us what that learning lesson uh, did for you and the value of that learning lesson. Yeah, it was, uh, let's say for another OEM, we, uh, we won an electric vehicle project with them. And the, uh, our, we convinced them, even though we weren't probably the best option, we had convinced them that we should deliver the high voltage charger, right? So it was the thing that you plug into the wall and it converts the electricity into DC so that you can charge the battery pack on the vehicle. Okay. And we convinced them. Um, we were struggling really to put the team around it, build it, execute, and, um, I think they ultimately saw that and at one point uh, came in and said, look, here's your, you know, here's the thing. I need you to deliver me this thing working by Friday, two weeks from now or week from now or whatever it was. So we went back, got with our team. And at that point, I was kind of responsible for the program. Mm -hmm. So we ended up pulling everybody together and we must have spent the next week, almost all of us living in that office, working together, all of us from, from myself as the, the director of the engineering organization to the software guys, to the hardware guys, working on how we, we get this thing to work. And at the end, amazingly enough, we'd spent a couple nights up 
uh, living in the office, really, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. uh, we got it to work. And we ultimately, you know, we're all really happy. We took it over. We called the customer who at that point was actually surprised. Um, you could hear the surprise in their voice. <laughs> like when we you called did them. it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We told them it was working. Well, they had already, even though they set that deadline, they had already decided we're going to kick off somebody else to, to replace what? you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, that's horrible. So it was it was terrible, but what I will say is like the fact that we we had built a very good culture, and this this it was still a startup company. We were really working at at pulling things together. We had an unbelievably great team, and I'll never forget those guys who who were with us there, all of us, you know, all night long, software, hardware, everybody working to get this thing done. And it was for me, it's it's the I think the really importance of having. That culture that fosters everybody kind of working together and, and trying to, to row the boat in one direction. We all knew what we had to do. We knew what the deadline was. And, and it was all, everybody was there to try and make it happen. And we did. And that, of course, everybody was disappointed. But uh, but recognizing that team and having that culture, I think, is, uh, is absolutely imperative for the success. Because you're going to run into all kinds of problems in this tech dev world and things you never even saw or knew were possible all of a sudden pop up and now you've got to work through them and making sure you've got the right guys and those guys who are motivated with that culture to solve those problems is absolutely key. Wow, what a story. Oh my goodness. Well, that's a nice segue into my next question. That's kind of a look in the future bucket list uh, with Baraha. Uh, what's your big, big, hairy, audacious goal here in the near future? Yeah, well, so so obviously Baraja is still a startup, and I've been a part of a few of them before. And you know, our objective is to get this business out there and grow it to to the same level as as either my other businesses were, or have another successful exit, right? Um, and for me, every time I've exited, I've stayed with the company or been continuously involved. So it's it's not like I just want to get out and move on. Um, but but that's one key thing. And then you know, our, our biggest thing is really on the technology. Right now, we're moving it into that automotive phase. So we started that mining um, environment, which is pretty harsh and pretty rough environment. But, you know, from the automotive development cycles, you're looking at three years and there's so much testing. I mean, there's 20 weeks of testing here and 20 weeks of testing there. We're really migrating toward that. So that's the big thing. We want to launch our, our product in 2025, get it out there and have it on vehicles, ultimately making those vehicles better and, and hopefully saving customers' lives. Absolutely. Wonderful. I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about your passion for cars, because I know you've got <laughs> such a thing. Is there a really special vehicle in your life? And if so, tell us a little story about that ride. <sighs> oh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the brief, briefer. So yeah, I've got a, <laughs> it's actually my brother's truck and he's told his wife that she can never sell it. No matter what happens to him, he has to give it, she has to give it to me if something happens to him. Um, but we've worked on it together. It's a 1997 Chevy 1500, two-wheel drive, short box. And he was and I were really into trying to go fast. And, and drag strip racing was something that, I don't know, when we were growing up, it was kind of cool to go out and do. So we uh, we ended up taking that 5.7 liter or 350 and putting a, a Whipple supercharger on it. And then I integrated all kinds of sensors, O2 sensor, additional fuel injectors, additional fuel pumps so we didn't starve the engine. And we ultimately went out and... Uh, Ran it on the drag strip. We ran a 1282, which isn't super fast for those who know, yeah, well, but it was good. Yeah. And it was based on this this uh, Chevy Vortec uh, spider injection engine, which was this crazy injection scheme that instead of having you know individual injectors at each cylinder, they had a kind of centralized injector instead of a carburetor. Hmm. 
It was like that transition between carburetor and injection. Yeah. So it's like one of the few, I think, out there who, who can go that fast <laughs> on a drag strip. <laughs> That's kind of cool. But, but it was fun. Yeah. It yeah. was a blast to build. And, and he still got it. And like I said, we'll still run it at the track occasionally. I love it. That's very cool. Well, I'm going to crawl into your skull and be a bit of a psychologist for you today. So sit back on the couch here and think about this. If you were manifest as a vehicle, it's not what you want to be. It's the guy you see in the mirror every morning. What would you be? But more importantly, why? Hmm. So this, <laughs> thought about this. I've tried to put personalities to various cars and figure out uh-huh. which car would I be or which thing would I be. So I decided, and I'm looking at my Legos that are on the wall here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the Legos is a, is a Unimog. And I don't know if that, that counts as a car. Oh, yeah. But I will say definitely. it's a motorized vehicle. It's a vehicle, so yeah. If you know what the Unimog is, it's yeah. this it's a like, beast. all-purpose beast, like ruggedized thing. But it also, like you can attach all these implements to it, whether you want to pick up and cut down trees or plow snow or pick, I don't know, move cranes or whatever. It's uh-huh. got all of these options you can put on it. And I think from that perspective, this this whole, my whole mentality of look we can never quit we're always going to go to the end and then you also have to be flexible i think that's this other piece like you never know what tool you need in the toolbox and so you want to have plenty of them and and so this whole continuous learning that we talked about earlier i think is key because you always want to have those tools so i I, i'm (laughs) this unimog that hopefully can go through anything and you can always add new options to in order to to get to the finish line you know you may be the first (laughs) unimog on this show now when you when you've you know talked over two thousand people like i have sometimes it's hard to remember every single show (laughs) that's a unique answer but i understand and it it kind of makes sense. You know, at first I thought, okay, here's an engineer, electrical engineer, real smart guy. Maybe he's going to pick some highly technical, technical, sophisticated, huh. but no, he's got another path here. You think of the Unimog as just this beast that can get anything done. And for you listeners that are going, what's that? Just Google Unimog <laughs> and you'll go, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> All right. Now I've got a whole new perspective on Jim Kane that yeah, I didn't have. Exactly. So we thought you were just a, a nerdy, geeky, <laughs> smart guy. So, uh, but no, you can get the job done. So even better. Is there a great book you'd like to share with the listeners today? You know, the one thing I was, I was thinking about uh, reading, but I don't read much, which is one side of it. I'm, when, I'm, when I'm free, I'm either tinkering with something or building Legos. Hands on. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. But um, yeah, I was just going through and, you know, getting back to that culture point. What You Do Is Who You Are mm-hmm. by Ben Horowitz. Ah, yeah. He goes through, I like it because, you know, he's telling the story through examples of Genghis Khan and, and the samurai and others and how they they built culture in their organizations and that culture, some of them have persisted for thousands of years and other ones have come and gone. But I think going back to my story and having that culture of, of people who are w- always willing to be there and help and support and drive and get things done and, and do what it takes to get it done is uh, is key for me. And so it's, it's interesting, interesting read. Very cool. Great suggestion. So I'm going to allow you to go on the ultimate drive, which means I'm going to provide you <laughs> any vehicle in the world. You can be with anybody living or someone who's passed, which makes it rather interesting. Oh, interesting. So if you want Albert Einstein sitting next to you, you can do that. Or Ben Horowitz or, or your, whoever you want. Uh, and you could be driving anywhere in the world. So what does the ultimate drive look like to Jim Kane today? So I, I, I thought about this as a maybe more practical. So I'm 
I'm also interested in learning how to drive better. Uh, I worked for Chrysler. We got to play with Vipers for a while. Oh, and I realized nice. that a lot of people who don't know how to drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Just drive Just drive anywhere. Go to the yeah, DMV and, and, and look around and go, they're giving licensing oh to these people? Yikes. So it scared me. And then, of course, everybody who got into the Viper the first time was just like, oh, I'm just going to mash it. And we're just going to go for a ride. And I'm like, oh, my God, you don't know what you have, no. you know, what scary, you have control scary of. Scary, fast car. So, so my thing was I wanted to go – for a drive with Travis Pastrana. Okay. And I wanted to go in his 800 horsepower Subaru STI. Oh, okay. So he, he does a lot of this crazy rally race. I, I, I would just love to be in the car. I want him to drive and then talk about how, how he can possibly make a car do that. Because I think it would, I mean, I don't know if I'd be sick at the end of it, (laughs) but I would have the, the best time of my life. I think just allowing him to drift around things and jump stuff and do whatever would be phenomenal and seeing how somebody can control a car like that. Yeah. Travis is amazing. I mean, he's, you know, professional motorsports competitor. Yeah. He's a stunt performer. I mean, I think he's won championships at the X yep. games yep. Uh, and motocross freestyle motocross rally race. I mean, just, yeah, I look at people that can control and drive a car that way. It's It's like watching world rally and you just go, how can you think that fast? <laughs> you know? No, exactly. Like everything is moving. And I, I would feel like by the time I processed where we were, you're we'd way be, past we'd be that. gone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like watching the Isle of Man, those guys on those uh, yeah. motor GP bikes. Motor, yeah. I just, I don't know how their brains can function that fast. And, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's all muscle memory at that point, seat of the pants driving, but, uh, interesting answer to that yeah. question. Yeah. That's another <laughs> unique one from you today, Jim. So <laughs> we went from Unimogs to uh, 800 horsepower Subarus. Subarus. That's exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. The extreme both ends of the stick here. <laughs> well, you've taken us on a really cool look into the future here today. And I'm really appreciative that you spent some time with us. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Kelly Dobbins at Sling and Stone for introducing me to Jim. Kelly's brought me some great gifts here. So thank you, Kelly. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a success quote, a mantra, or some kind of uh, inspiration for our listeners today? Yeah, I think keeping on my my theme of get it done. I was watching uh, uh, whatever the, the Winston Churchill movie where he, well, his quote is, a success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's um, continuing to move forward that counts, right? Yeah. So in other words, look, even when you think you're done, you're never really done. You can always learn more. You can always get more experience. You can always do better. And then when you do fail, <laughs> plenty of times of that, you're going to have to get back up and do it again. Absolutely. So well, he's also the guy that said, when you're marching through hell, keep marching, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of great quotes from that guy. Yeah. He was, yes. uh, he was the master with the words. So yeah. how can people learn more about Baraha? Absolutely. So you can go to our website. I think that's the best uh, way to do that. That's B-A-R-A-J-A dot com. And uh, you can look up up on LinkedIn. Uh, Baraha is also our presence is there and you can find anything about our technology out there. You can see what we're doing and you can even contact us to learn more. Very cool. This is neat stuff you guys are working on. Uh, I especially love the aspect of helping people that are maybe driving impaired or need help, but also saving lives and uh, making things safer out there on the road. Uh, I encourage you listeners to check them out. Uh, B-A-R-A-J-A, Baraja.com. And uh, you're going to be excited by what you see. Jim, thanks for being so generous today with your uh, time, your expertise, and sharing this uh, incredible new future for all of us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you. Maybe down the road, but you won't be driving. Great. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the time. (laughs) You're welcome. It's It's been a blast. This was fun. 
I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.